What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Maybe the biggest adjustment wasn't the differences in my life there and here, like, like in Malaysia, but rather more in transitioning away from all of the people that I met there. Welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler podcast, your source for the everyday inspiration and practical tips that make international travel accessible to everyone. How's it going? Welcome back to the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. I'm Jackie Nurse. And today we have Maddie Wolf joining us to catch up on everything that we have missed, which is a lot since we last chatted with her. Maddie has actually been on the show twice before. She's the one who up and moved to Israel after college to teach English. So her story should sound familiar to you. Um, Today, we get to hear about how the rest of her year in Israel went, what it was like going home after that, and what she did next, which was apply to the Fulbright program and spend a year teaching English in Asia. Um, She's back from that now. So we have several topics that we're getting into today to attempt to capture all of that time within one podcast episode. Um, Before we get into that, I just want to mention that I am in the middle of putting out a bunch of details for my group trips for 2019. I just opened up registration for my second ladies adventure retreat in Ecuador, which is happening in February. Uh, Plus I'm adding some new dates and destinations for Patagonia next year. And I'll be sharing details for my next bucket list trip soon as well. This year, we did the bucket list trip to Jordan, which you've just heard about in episodes 94 and 95. And next year, I have something else super epic and fun up my sleeve. So go check out travelingjackie.com slash trips to see what's happening and uh, subscribe there to be first to find out about new announcements and updates. I have a dedicated email list just for trip updates. And it's the best place to be to not miss any announcements. So make sure you're on it if you're interested in traveling with me. And I hope that you are. These group trips are my absolute new favorite thing in the world. It is the coolest thing to get to connect with you guys in person and become real friends and get to experience such amazing things together. So I really can't wait to meet some more of you on these group trips soon. All right. This was such a good conversation. I hope that you guys enjoy this as much as I did. It is my pleasure to reintroduce you to Maddie, who is home uh, from her latest adventure. So let's see what she has to say now after spending two years teaching English overseas. All right. We are back on the line with Maddie Wolf, whom you guys will remember from two different episodes. Um, She was on... Uh, for episode number 66 and number 77. Um, She was actually part of the before and after series that we did. And we're bringing her back today to catch up on so many things that have happened since the last time that we chatted. So Maddie, I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome back. 
Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. I feel like we have a lot to talk about today. I have a lot of updates. I can't wait to share with everyone. Yes, I know. We've just been like chatting for a few minutes. I'm like, (laughs) I have to hit record because I can't ask you anything until we're like... (laughs) Recording because there's so many things that I want to know about what's going on. What's going on? And I think it's also cool because people have kind of been following my journey a little bit. So maybe they'll be interested to hear what some new updates I have and everything. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, so okay, so let's just recap real quick. Um, when we first met you, you were still in college. <laughs> I was. <laughs> you were just a wee, wow, we last. Long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I think it was two years, two and a half years ago or so that we first did an episode. And you, we were talking about how you were... Oh, you could not wait to get out. And you had <laughs> set up um, a job to go teach English in Israel. Yes. And um, wow. and so, yeah. So we were talking about that in the first episode. That's episode 66. And yep. then in 77, we caught you like, what, six months or so yep. into your year in Israel yep. and got to talk a little bit about that and what, how it had been for you. Yep. And wow. Okay. When was that? It would have been like a year and a half ago. Yeah. I, I think I was still in... Because I think I remember recording it in my apartment in Tel Aviv. So... Mm-hmm. I was still there. Yeah. And now, how cool is this? Okay, so we'll nutshell it and then we'll unpack it. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so right, what so- did you do since then? <laughs> um, Since we talked on that episode, I... <laughs> this is going to sound, you know, very strange to just like send this recap in two seconds. But yeah. um, I moved to Malaysia... And on this Fulbright grant that I applied for, which we can discuss, Mm -hmm. and I was there teaching at a Malaysian secondary school in like a rural community. And now I'm back. (laughs) There you go. That's the nutshell. (laughs) Okay. So let's just go way back first. You, when you left Israel, you were still pretty gung-ho to keep going, right? Meaning, and what I mean by that is, to not just return home and stay and find a new normal at home, but to yep. continue pursuing travel as a lifestyle, correct? Yes, correct. Yes. And so you went back home for the summer. Actually, it was longer than a summer, wasn't it? It like, was, yeah. yeah. It was like and, six months or so. Okay. And what did yeah. that look like for you? What did it feel like to be home? Yeah. So <laughs> when I returned home, I had already gotten my acceptance to this grant that I had applied for to go to Malaysia. And so when I returned home, I knew January 1st, I was leaving. And so um, I think that helped in the transition a little bit because it wasn't like I was coming back indefinitely, didn't know what to do. It was, okay, I have six months at home. I had missed home a lot. I, it had been like over a year since I had been back. And so it was really nice. Um, and it was nice to be in that familiarity temporarily again. And I felt like the transition was was pretty smooth. Um, and now fast forward that I've had another transition, transitioning home from being in Malaysia, which has been like a complete roller coaster of a transition. Um, I look back on the one from when I moved back from Israel and I kind of marvel at how, <laughs> I, I guess, easy it was or how mm-hmm. nice it was. And um, and I think maybe the biggest adjustment wasn't the differences 
in my life there and here, like, like in Malaysia, but rather more in transitioning away from all of the people that I met there. Um, because in Israel, I, I had, a a community. I had like a group of friends. I had, you know, my language lessons I went to every week. I had, you know, we had, Mm -hmm. I had things set up. And so I think it was more of, you know, transitioning from not being around them and more of the question of, okay, here I met these people that were life-changing and that were really important to me and are important to me. And now I'm not around them anymore. And will I ever see them again? And it was more mm-hmm. with those kind of questions as opposed to like walking into a Target and being like, oh my gosh, <laughs> can buy absolutely <laughs> anything in this store, you know? Yeah. yeah. Reverse <laughs> like, culture shock. Whoa. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh so yeah. Um, I think you hit on Oh man, you hit on a couple of the hugest things about about returning home. And I I feel like mm-hmm. I knew that this is what this episode was going to have a lot yeah. to talk about was returning home. Yes. Um yes. but there's one thing that um that you didn't really just mention just there. Yeah. And I think it's because so and this is the 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 what's next question because yep. it makes returning home after a long year abroad Um, way harder if you don't know what you're doing next. If you don't have a plan, it's like you get into this totally this like it's depressing, and it's yeah, it's like where did I go? Like what? What? Who? What's going on? Where am I? Who am I? Like what? What is this life? And what's next? And how do I? How do I? combine where I am with what I've experienced and not lose it and and where am I going next and how do I just adjust uh, back to quote unquote normal life you know uh, and I mean that's yeah. a huge element that you actually did not have the first time because you already yeah. had this second trip set up yeah. you knew what you were doing you had a deadline you knew yeah. that what you were doing was temporary and I think that yeah. probably played a pretty big role in your coming home. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. Um, And actually, I think that this is something that I... um, thinking And thinking about what I wanted to say today in um, our conversation, this was something that I definitely wanted to touch on in that I feel like those moments when I was home after Israel, that in those moments that seemed really long or those moments where Malaysia seemed so far away. Was I ever going to be over there? You know, Mm -hmm. and those moments where I was like, okay, I'm sitting in my living room, which I grew up in. I just want to get out and explore the world and stuff. I tried. It helped in thinking about the values surrounding travel that I do have. Like, why do I like to travel what broad values do those satisfy for me and try to um, like experience them in the Twin Cities as much as I could while I was here, such as like, you know, exploring new places or trying new things or getting outside of my comfort zone. And I, and I sort of examined those and was like, okay, there has to be ways of experiencing those things in Minneapolis that I could experience that could help me with that. And so I would do that. I would like go and see new places. I would, you know, have days where I didn't work. And so I I worked at a restaurant. And so days where I wouldn't wasn't working. And I would just, I would do this thing called 
<laughs> this might seem a little woo woo, but <laughs> doing this thing called, um, I would like follow the path of most excitement. And so mm. I would like, like, okay, what sounds exciting to me in this moment? And a lot of times it was like doing things I hadn't done or, or seeing things I hadn't seen around the Twin Cities. And that definitely helped with like, you know, passing time of, of feeling like I was stuck waiting for this thing to happen. Yeah. I hear you on that. I love that. I love the path of most excitement. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really fun. And like a really good question because yep. travel or I mean, like something to ask yourself, like, what is it that you really want to do right now? Like what would, what would excite yeah. you? Because yep. travel is exciting. It's, it yeah. is very exciting. I mean, everything what, for better, or for worse, yeah. it excites you, you know, everything you do is an adventure, even if it's just going down the street to find breakfast. I mean, when yes. you're in a foreign culture language, yes. I mean, everything is different. Everything is exciting and exhausting yes. and adventurous. Yeah. And yeah, so that is... Uh, I love that. I actually... To speak to that, since we're on this subject, because there, yeah. are, there are a couple of things that I like to do as well... Uh, Went, well, this isn't really, this doesn't really apply to me anymore. Like, I haven't felt <laughs> this way in several years. Um, but back when I did have like a more of a permanent home base and yep. I would just take little trips and come back, you know, yeah. um, two of the things I really loved to do when I felt myself getting into that funk were one, um, I would pick up a book that had some sort of adventure that took place somewhere, somewhere real. And yeah. the first thing that comes to mind for this, I love, I am, I love Dan Brown. Dan Brown is yeah. like such a great companion for, he, he's such a great writer and he takes you to a place, like all of his books take place somewhere. And yep. so you get to experience this, this place through like a mystery thriller kind of yeah. exciting adventure. And I mean, I would sit down with a book and be gone all weekend and feel yeah. like I just took a huge adventure. And it it really actually truly deeply helped me. Yeah. It like changed my mindset a little bit and helped me like go on a little adventure, even though I probably didn't even leave my couch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That and um the other thing that I used to find really fun to do is to recreate a sort of an experience that you had overseas. Something that's easy to do with that is just a meal. So yeah. we would have like, we'd call them like German nights or Italian nights where we'd yeah. just go and we'd buy a bunch of, you know, food or whatever it is that we can make that's like totally German. We'd like put yeah. on our Dirndl and later yeah. and like put yeah. on like German music or we'd do the Italian route. You know, we'd make pizza, we'd have like olive oil and I mean, we'd just do yeah. Italian things and it was fun. It was yeah. like kind of a little escape like in your own yeah. kitchen, you know? I mean, there are, it's it's a real thing. This this like, this reverse, cult, well, it's not necessarily re reverse culture shock. It's this funk of being home afterwards yeah, where totally. you can't leave yet. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I love that. That could be like a, a whole podcast episode topic, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like it could. I don't know if I've talked about that on this show before. Yeah. It's, I know I have to think through a lot of episodes. <laughs> like, I don't... I don't remember, but um, yeah, that's something I've kind of always done. I'm glad that you brought that up though, because yeah. um, you do need to, you need to fill that time without yeah. losing your, I guess it's like <laughs> the lust for the wander. You know, it's like yeah. you can't yeah. lose the, 
the the draw, the yeah. the high energy. So good for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So um, let's talk real quick about the whole Fulbright thing because that's yes. interesting to me. I actually don't yep. know anyone else who's done this. Yeah. Um, and I've, I mean, you know, I've been asking you about it, like since you, yeah. since you did it, like what, what made you want to do this? How did you find out? Like, how did you even think about it? Where did you apply yeah. for it? What does that entail? What does that even look like? Tell us <laughs> yeah. everything. Okay. Okay. So the Fulbright program is a program funded by the U S department of state. And they have two, I think they're most known for their research grants my my mom did one in Russia when my parents were living there and my dad was te- uh, doing his PhD research there. And you okay, do, your parents you lived apply- in Russia. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow. Sorry, throwing okay. in that tidbit of information. <laughs> that was before I was born. My sister mm. was like three or something. Oh, wow. Um, and so you apply for a grant to go to another country that's related to your dissertation topic or something like that. You spend the, I think, I don't know how long it is for research. I I think my parents, I know my parents were there a year, but um, I think it could be longer or shorter. Um, And you do research there. So they have one for research grants, which I think is their most popular one that if you talk to someone about what Fulbright is, that's what they probably think about. But Mm. then they also have this, this other program called the English Teaching Assistant Program, where you apply to a specific country. So you cannot put like your top three or whatever. And so you apply to a specific country and then the U.S. State Department reviews your application and then they send applicants through to the Ministry of Education to the of the country that you are applying to. And then that country reviews your application and selects the applicants that they want to come over to their country. And so we um, lived in that you're, you're placed in rural communities and teaching English at second. I think it's, I think it's primary or secondary schools. I think maybe even universities in some countries, but my, in Malaysia, it's secondary schools, which means it's um like age 13 to age 17 or so. Um, and yeah, you're fully immersed in the culture. I was the only um, foreigner in my town. Um, and yeah, so that's a little background, I guess. And they have these programs all over the, the world. Um, I want to say it's like 60 something countries, but don't um, I guess I'm not sure, completely sure about that, but I'm pretty sure it's like 60 something countries that they have them in. But yeah, so that's a little background, I guess. Okay. And how did you choose Malaysia? Yeah, great question. <laughs> I actually get that question a lot. People are like, um, why did you go there? Yeah. So like I said, you have to apply to one country. You can't apply to a handful or whatever. And so my world, the the world was basically my oyster, you know, it was yeah. like, how do I decide? Um, but they, I'd first narrowed it down by um, the regions of the world that I hadn't ever been before. So I had never been to Asia and I had never been to South America. Um, and mm. so... I sort of narrowed it down to those two places. And 
I looked into on the Fulbright website, they have tons of this information. And so I looked at the at all the South American countries that they have available and um, they have a requirement that you have to be proficient in Spanish to apply. And oh. I'm French, <laughs> but I, I know, I know French, but I don't know any Spanish. And so I had to cross those off my list. So then that sort of led me to Asia as a whole, um, which is a gigantic place, <laughs> as we know. Um, and then I sort of narrowed it down to Southeast Asia because I had never been there before. And I thought maybe I could do some traveling around there either before, after, during my time in Malaysia. Um, and then a few things led me to Malaysia. One was we have a really good family friend who did his PhD research in Malaysia. And so he, um, I had heard him, you know, briefly talk about it growing up and, um, it always seemed like this sort of foreign place to me. And then I took some Islamic art and architecture classes in college, and they were definitely some of my favorite classes that I ever took. And Malaysia is a Muslim country. And so I thought that that could be interesting to explore further um, since I had that interest. Also coming from Israel um, and seeing that juxtaposition of, you know, religions and cultures and stuff that I had just experienced. And then the last sort of reason was... Um, after doing more research into Malaysia itself, I learned that Malaysia has three uh, main ethnicities there. You have Indian Malay, Chinese Malay, and then Malay um, people. And so I thought that that sounded interesting and cool to kind of experience those um, those cultures and how they intersect and stuff. And, and it turns out that you see that a lot in... Um, you know, religion, like there's a mosque next to a Hindu temple in Malaysia and also in the food as well. Like each culture um, has their own specialties and stuff. And so that was really neat to experience. And they also have um, a lot of Fulbright um, ETAs, as we call ourselves, English teaching assistants, mm -hmm. um, had kept blogs of their time there. And so I also read so many blogs mm. of... Um, when I was deciding between, you know, Thailand or Malaysia and all this stuff. Um, and so those were super helpful too, because I kind of got to see where I would maybe be living or what the culture would be like or what their experience was. This is funny. We, I think I want to say this out loud. Um, it's funny that we have just... we Our call has just dropped twice. <laughs> Everybody listening. <laughs> and yeah. it's funny. It's ironic because right when we got on the Skype call at the very beginning, we were both like, oh my gosh, <laughs> our internet is so good. We're in the United States. Like We can make this call happen and we can use video and all these things. Now we've dropped no. the call twice in the United States. <laughs> yep. Go figure. Yeah. This has only happened to me like... <laughs> a few, maybe a handful of times ever in the history of a hundred episodes. <laughs> so anyway. And karma, um, whatever. Yeah. Um, so you were saying that you were using blogs, people's blogs to yeah. help you decide that um, that Malaysia was going to be your place. And I think that's really cool because yay for blogs. It's so nice yeah. to see a personal experience. Definitely. Um, it really helps you gain insight into what it's really like there. Not just like, oh, here are the top 10 totally. things to do. It's like, this yeah. is where I buy my groceries. And this is, yep. this is what totally. it feels like to live here. And yeah. yeah. So 
So you can pick it up there. <laughs> yes, great. Um, so yeah, so I decided on Malaysia, applied, um, found out I was a semifinalist when I was in Israel, and then um and then found out I was a finalist. And so I knew I wasn't leaving until January. They told us that right when we got into the um the program. And yeah, so so that's kind of although I didn't know there were some things that I didn't know until I got there, such as um where I was gonna be placed. They um they don't tell us that until we until we arrive. So we had about three weeks wow. in Kuala Lumpur and then we moved to our placement. So I was in I think it's the biggest state. I feel like if we have any Malaysians listening, they'll be like, uh, Maddie, come on. Um, but I think it was the biggest state on the peninsula called Pahang, P-A-H-A-N-G. And I was on the eastern coast of Pahang. So right on the coast of the peninsula, uh, Malaysia split up into two um, land areas. Um, and it was about three and a half hour drive from Kuala Lumpur. Um, the nearest Fulbrighter to me was about a little over two hour drive from me. Um, and there was a pretty good sized city, um, called Kuantan about an hour North of me. So that's where I would get, they had a Starbucks there and I'm a big coffee drinker. So like, that's where I got my French press and beans and um, yeah, like little comforts from home. I have to um, say too, Starbucks overseas is, is like amazing. I mean, I, I rarely actually drink Starbucks at home. Just yeah, never. Same. You just don't do it. Like yep. usually you drink no. local or whatever, but overseas I'm like, Oh, big coffee. You know, like give me all the coffee. I love seeing Starbucks overseas. Yeah, totally. (laughs) The Starbucks banana chocolate chip muffins and their coffee was like a treat that I reveled in over there. Same with, okay, this is weird to say, but same with McDonald's. (laughs) Malaysia (laughs) is like, there was a McDonald's right outside of my little town. And it was the cleanest McDonald's I probably (laughs) have ever seen in my life. People would like go there to hang out. They sold like, um, there's this Malaysian um, drink called Tay Tariq. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like similar to what Americans think of as chai sort of. And they had it at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They had like, it, it was just quite the... The experience, this McDonald's was amazing. Yes. Like people would be like, where people from home would be like, oh, where do you hang out? And I'd be like, well, go to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's no. hilarious. Did they call this drink McTariq or something? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's like the most creative thing I've ever heard, but no, oh, they didn't. I don't know why they being didn't. so serious because actually this is a funny subject. McDonald's is fascinating overseas as well because totally. they totally. always, this is actually something really, really cool about McDonald's is they all, almost always that I have seen, not like I frequent a lot of McDonald's, but <laughs> when right. I happen to be in them, they always have something local. Like, yeah. I mean, we're so used yeah. to what we see on the menu at McDonald's in the United States. Yeah. And so when you go to, oh man, McDonald's and other countries, they have like, yeah. <laughs> in Costa Rica, they have McPinto, which is like 
<laughs> it's the breakfast. It's gallo pinto, which is like the rice and beans. And they have yeah. pinto on the menu in, in McDonald's. Oh my gosh. It's, I love that. It's so interesting to see how they include the yeah. the other cultures in their menu. It's not just really? it's not just burgers and fries. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Speaking of burgers and fries in other countries and McDonald's, I know that's a lot of things, I guess. <laughs> but um, so like maybe the most famous, well-known Malaysian dish. Um, like when at the at school, when I'd ask the kids, what's your favorite food? They would all say nasi lamak. And nasi means rice in Malay, and lamak, I'm pretty sure means fat. Um, and so it's basically rice cooked in coconut milk. And then um, I think there was like a hard boiled, half a hard boiled egg, sambal, which is like this chili paste. Um, I think sometimes they have anchovies on top. And then you would also, I guess, have like a piece of fried chicken or something. Um, and it would be wrapped in a banana leaf. So that's like the typical Malaysian breakfast. Um, and every, I feel like all the kids' favorite food and stuff. But anyway, at McDonald's, there was the Nasi Lamak burger. Oh, yes. this Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'm a vegetarian, so I never tried it. But, you know, it was intriguing. Nasi so, Lamak burger. If, did, I wonder, did they put like the rice, the cocoa milk, like on the burger or the chili no, paste like, I don't know. Maybe they had wrap it in a banana leaf. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) maybe like uh, like a piece of fried chicken with. But I don't know what they would have done with the rice. I think there might have been like coconut sauce or something. I don't know. I'll have to ask Malaysian friends over there to describe it, and I'll I'll get back to you guys. Yeah, listeners, message me on Facebook, and I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's 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 exactly what I'm talking about. It's so cool. It's so random. Okay, so back to yeah, where anyway, you were living. Yeah. This is an hour from McDonald's, right? Um, yes. Yeah. So how <laughs> did you like your little town? Was it what was it like living there? I mean, was it lonely? Like what were some of your favorites and some of your not favorites about it? Yeah. So um I think the biggest change that I had to kind of adapt to was um, like what there was to do around me, I suppose, you know, like in Minneapolis, I mean, there's constantly things to do, you know, Mm -hmm. play anywhere in the US probably, I guess, you know, and even when I was in Israel, Tel Aviv is like this hip cosmopolitan city. I lived right by the beach, you know, just all these things. But in my town, there really wasn't a whole lot to do after school or like when I wasn't in school, there was like a few grocery stores. Um, there was actually a KFC there. Although, like mm-hmm. I said, I'm a vegetarian, so I never, you know, frequented mm-hmm. yeah. that. Um, but as a result, it definitely was lonely. And mm-hmm. I feel like even kind of talking about it, like it's a pretty touchy subject um, in that I... Yeah, the loneliness was pretty crushing at times. Mm. And a good a good friend on Fulbright actually made a really good point of um we once when I had visited her, she, we discussed the difference between loneliness and aloneness, I think, or loneliness and solitude, whatever I guess is the best the best mm-hmm. word. 
Um, and I try, and I feel like what I was experiencing was loneliness, mm-hmm. was kind of like negative connotation of the of the feeling. And I tried to at times think of it in a positive way, I guess, you know, that like this is a really special time in my life where I, you know, I'm truly can focus on myself. I have no one else calling my attention, nowhere else calling my attention, you know, like I have nowhere else to be. And I feel like I would go in and out through that, through that mm-hmm. successful kind of change in in those feelings. Sometimes I would think to myself like, oh, wow, I feel so lucky to have this time with myself. And then there are other times where I was like, mm. please, another human. Like oh, no. I just need someone else, you know? And I can be a pretty anxious person. And I felt like I had everything pretty under control before I left. Like I knew if I was starting to feel nervous or anxious, like some tools I knew what to do that would that would usually help me. Um, but in Malaysia, I feel like it sort of got, uh, out of control at some points. And so that was really scary. Um, and also, you know, wrestling with, with all of that, that was going on, but then at the same time, you know, still being grateful for being there and, and wanting to, you know, be as present with the kids that as I could be. And I was the only foreigner in my town. So I feel like, and for a lot of the kids, I was the first for not I was the first foreigner that they had seen. And so I feel like I wanted to be a good cultural ambassador, but then I sometimes struggled with my own um things that I was going through. And so it was it was, I think, like I think it was probably the hardest thing that I had ever done. And it's something that I didn't know how to prepare for and that I feel like is hard to prepare for. Um and I think a lot of it was luck of the draw. Like some people um, were in bigger, were placed in bigger towns or some people, Hmm. um, I was placed where you're placed in pairs, but I haven't mentioned my roommate because she left after a couple months to go home for, um, a certain reason. And so it depends, like if you're placed with someone who you really get along with, like there are lots of things that just sort of are not up to you, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that's, hard and I have a pretty type A personality. So I feel like I like to be in control of a lot of things, which um, I think in part of, you know, traveling is learning how to let go of that control. And I think that that's something I've learned to enjoy and kind of explore over the years. But I think this was an experience where like on a whole nother level that I just did not have a lot of control over anything. So not to turn conversation like, a negative downturn, but no, but this is, this is the reality. This is such a reality. I mean, as you're talking, you know, I'm just, I'm sitting over here like, yep. mm -hmm, Yep. You know, like I, I so, I'm so with you on this. Like I get it. And the, this, the strangest maybe part about all of this is we signed up for this. Yes. <laughs> this is exactly yeah. what we asked for. You know, we said, I'm going to go do this, you know, <laughs> yep. no matter what, rain or shine, basically. And it it both come, you know, both of those yeah. things come. And Literally. the highs and lows, I mean, that's, that's where you experience the growth, the change, oh. like the observation, the, the real challenges the real part of life, like it comes out of these lows. And I mean, I had a time last winter, I don't know, about a year and a half ago that I 
was feeling, I mean, and this, this still, still stays with me, but the lonely thing is so very real. It's so very okay. real. Um, when you're a solo traveler who generally likes other humans, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I mean, I wrote, I wrote a whole, um, big like essay, like post about, about loneliness, um, because we need community as yep. people, like, yeah, just innately, like we crave community. And it is one of the biggest challenges when you find yourself in a foreign culture where you don't speak the language. I mean, this could even happen in your own backyard. Like it's, I'm yeah. not saying you can't feel lonely right at home because like, that totally. absolutely happens too. Um, but it's kind of magnified when you completely uproot yourself and just put yourself out there. And it's, yeah, of course we get lonely. You know, I mean, people ask me that sometimes and I'm like, really? Like, what do you think I am? Like, I'm not superwoman. Like, of course I get lonely. And that's not, that's like an understatement. Yeah. I get lonely. Like that's, it's part of it. It's part of being a solo traveler. It's part of, I mean, any kind of travel really, like when you're completely removed from everything, you know, um, you know, I mean, you're the only foreigner in your whole town. Like that has got to be incredibly lonely sometimes. Yeah. You, know, you don't have that person you can just go grab a glass of wine with and just unload, right. you know, like if you don't have that. That's a no. lot of solo time. <laughs> it's like, yep, totally. oh, look, it's me and a beer again. <laughs> yeah. Yes. How me long and my do I have to do this? Yeah. yeah. At McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And I feel like I, I really missed, um, I had some really incredible friends in Malaysia, like other Fulbrighters that were, um, that were such a good family to me over there. And even like the people in my town, I loved them dearly and stuff. But with all of that being said, I missed, you know, people from home who I feel like, I really connected with and like really good friends. And, you know, that, that comes one with time, like making new people like that, Mm -hmm. wherever you are. And I guess I just missed, that was one of the things that came out of all this time by myself was like, I missed having those, those people, even though I did have, you know, really kind people in my community and other friends like hours away and stuff. Oh, it's so different though. Totally. Uh, I feel like I started to rely on, um, so I'm, I was dating, I'm dating someone here in the Twin Cities and I started seeing him before I left. And so like I was in this long distance relationship. Oh, Oh yeah. And at times I feel like I fully relied on him to get, to like fill me up inside, you know, like I, I, if he, if we like couldn't do a Skype call or if he wasn't writing me back, like little petty stuff that normally Mm. wouldn't affect me, I feel like really got to me or I would like start crying or something, you know, just like these irrational emotions that started manifesting. Um, And now that I'm back, I think I, you know, I feel, I look back on that and I kind of realize that what, I, why I was acting that way was because I was craving this human interaction that he, as someone who I would talk to frequently happens to be the person, 
you know, technologically closest to me at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would rely on him for all of that. Mm -hmm. And that's more than one person can can ever do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that being home, like transitioning to, or maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, I feel like, because I was going to start talking about transitioning to being back. But I think that transitioning to being home, I still sort of had some of that in me, you know, like I was still kind of, I expect he had, has a whole life here. And I feel like I was expecting him and my family and everything to, I guess, like, I don't know, like if they had something going on, I would like irrationally get upset and stuff. And I think that I kind of realized that I went through this like strange <laughs> low key trauma, you know, of like being by myself every single day for seven hours, you know, after school. And so I, once I, but once I started like surrounding myself with friends again and stuff like that, then I, that feeling started to go away. But so I be, that was something else that I was wrestling with. And I feel like that feels pretty vulnerable to discuss, especially on this, on with, on the podcast with lots of people are getting here. Um, That's okay. That's what we do here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like that was something that like I had never experienced before that was Mm -hmm. so unlike me that kind of manifested in a very strange way. You know, I... First of all, thank you for sharing that because it is very vulnerable, but it's so real. I mean, I'm honestly sitting over here like... I almost teared up just now listening to you talk about that because it hits me so like it's... And like I said, I mean, I might've written that loneliness post like a a while ago, but like that stays with me, you know? And I actually have been struggling with that like this summer even. And I mean, I'm not afraid to talk about this. Like (laughs) this is human. Like this is real. This is travel. This is what it is, you know? And I mean, I remember getting back this summer and just, it took me... Uh, I'm in Montana this summer, you know, and it took me like probably a good month to readjust to like just trying to recover here after just being on the go so much this year. It was really exhausting for me. And I got back and I'm like, Montana summer, like you go all out because you get like two months of summer in Montana, you know? And so that's what I was doing. And I'm like, I, I, A, I can't, I can't handle this. But that, so there was that, there was like the physical part that I didn't really let myself recover. And then at the same exact time, here I am at home surrounded by people who love me, people I love, you know, my friends, um, my brother's here. um, And there are so many nights still that like, I will, I'll like see if someone wants to hang out. And I, it's like this whole idea of like, we have two months to have summer. Like we need to do something every single day, you know? And I'm like, if I don't have a plan today, I'm like wasting my time at home. It's a weird mindset. It's very weird because this is supposed to be my break kind of, um, you know, my summertime. And yet... I feel like I, it's like, I have to fill these days. And if someone's not there to like hang out with me, I'm like, man, I'm at home and I'm still alone. You know, like WTF. (laughs) Oh man. But it's just part of it. Like, this is just where we are. Like, this is, this is where we are. This is what we've signed up for. And it's, it's real life, you know? And and well, I mean, there's always something, there's always something to be learned and, you know, we're, it's yeah. really like, we're okay. 
Yeah, definitely. We're okay. Totally. I mean, I get on my paddleboard and go paddleboarding. I'm like, dude, this is yeah. awesome. You know, yeah. I love yeah. it. And I, it's a damn yeah. good thing. I like hanging out with myself, you know, like yeah. I've learned oh, yeah. to do that. And it's a, it's a big, important step in this life yep. to appreciate you your that. own company. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But so I totally understand. I completely see you on that community thing. I mean, the relationships that you make when you're overseas often are so um, surface. Yep. And there's only so much you can do with that. There's only so far that you can take a surface relationship. You know, sometimes you just need someone who gets you. Yep. And yeah, it takes, I say this, I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately. It freaking takes a village, man. It takes a village. (laughs) I know. I I so know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So loneliness, check. Yeah. (laughs) Let's move on. That was a big one. That was a big one. Yeah. So (laughs) here's the, here's the big question then. What's next for you? Do you have a next? What are you doing now? Like, I mean, you yeah. just went from two, from one huge adventure to the next and yeah. now you're home. What's happening? Yeah. Okay. So I do have an answer to this and it feels good to have an <laughs> answer to this. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but okay. So I, when I graduated college, I thought that I might be interested in education, but my degree is in English literature, not from the School of Education. So I don't have a license or anything like that or an ESL license or anything. Um, and so I always thought, okay, if I wanted to do this, I'd have to go back to school. Um, and I feel really lucky that the past two years, I was able to explore that, you know, to not jump right into graduate school or something like that if and see if this was something that I wanted to do. And drum roll, just kidding. <laughs> um, I def- it's something that like I realize I definitely want to go into and I am so excited about it. And so I need to go to back to school. So that's my plan. Wow. I need to go get my teaching what? license. And I'm looking at the University of Minnesota's program. And so, yeah, so that's the plan. But the program, um, if I... Um, the deadline is in December. It's currently when we're recording this, it's currently August. Um, and so the program, if I got in, wouldn't start until the springtime. And so I have again, like some months where I'm like, oh, uh, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I've worked in a restaurant before and that, and I really enjoyed that. I loved interacting with people all the time and stuff as an extrovert, But I ideally wanted to do something in a school, I thought, since that's what I wanted to, um, since that's what I want to do. And my high school here, I reached out to them when I returned and was like, hey, um, if, you know, are there any open positions or people leaving for a little bit that I could fill in for? And there was. And so I applied for this position in the middle school in the administration office. And I got that. So I'll be working temporarily. The woman is gone um, from August until December. So wow, um, how perfect I is know. that? Wow. I know, right? Wow. It's like the stars were aligned. I feel like yeah. this was meant to be. And so I'm filling in for her. Um, and I'm super excited about it. Just strictly mm-hmm. speaking, in terms of being back at my high school. So I went to a small private high school here in the Twin Cities, and being back on the other side of things 
has just been so cool hmm. and so like rewarding. I feel like, you know, um, in, I guess, experiencing things as a student that I don't think I appreciated as a student, you know, like all the work that gets put into classes and time and the school hmm. year. And, and so that's been fun. And a lot of my teachers are still there. Um, that's so weird. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> now they're like your colleagues. That's I know, so weird. I know. Like, am I referred to as Miss Wolf? That's weird, I guess. <laughs> but, um, and so, yeah, so that's the plan. So I'm working out that at the school for, um, a little while and then going to graduate school to get my teaching license. Um, and so it worked out really well. And, and I'm really excited about, about this plan. And I feel like I'm also pretty impatient simply because I have had two years of experience after graduating college. And so I'm kind of just impatient to have my own classroom to get that certification and stuff. But of course, you know, all good things come to those who wait or whatever the saying is. So, so it'll, it'll be good. But so that's, that's my plan at the moment. And in terms of traveling, I think that my uh, my attitude towards travel has had to shift a little bit, I guess. I think that when I graduated college, um, and there's nothing wrong with this mindset that I had, but I think that it was more, I'm trying to think of the right metaphor. Like it just felt like I was on a, I was running a race and I couldn't stop, you know, like I want, and I wanted to keep going. Like I wanted to keep traveling and I wanted to, find something else and everything. But now I kind of realize that adventure and traveling are definitely some of my important values that I have that are important to me for the rest of my life and not just like a span of a few years where I'm like, how can I keep this going for as long as I can, you know, and that it's more of like a sustainable a thing that I need to learn how to how to experience sustainably um, for for a while, if that makes any sense, you know, like Absolutely. that I need to take time. Yeah, like that I need to take some time to check a few boxes that would enable me to continue somewhere else in the future, um, or that would make things easier for me going forward while still having that, you know zest for traveling and seeing the world that isn't going to be going away. I don't believe anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> I <know. laughs> um, man, I love this so much. It's so cool to hear this because I'm just thinking back to our previous conversations on the podcast so people can think yep. back to them as well uh, or go or listen not. to them. But <laughs> I feel like, yeah. I mean, okay. So I haven't confession. I don't, I don't, I haven't listened to them. I mean, I, I rarely actually listen back to my own episodes, but but I feel like I remember from our first conversation, you're like, this is not for me. I don't want to just jump into this. I need to go, yeah. go, go. I'm ready. Yes. Like, get me out of here. Like, you know, and I, yeah. I, I understand that. Like, that's, I totally, I, I, I totally understand that, um, that phase, you know? Yep. Um, and I feel like... This has really come full circle for you because yeah. now you have a totally different perspective on the exact same thing, which is grad school, which is getting that teacher certificate. But 
And I just got chills. Now, you know why you want to do it. You've been out there. You you explored. You explored. (laughs) Inward, outward, you know, and now you're going onward with something that makes sense for your future, for your passion. Um, You know, you like it and it's going to be able to sustain you. And it's like, it's such a cool piece of the foundation for, I guess, your path. Um, yeah. that, that you're back to deciding this is what I need. Here's why. This is what I'm doing with it. This is where I can yeah. go with it. I mean, and also you just said that that um, that phrase that <laughs> good things come to those who wait. Yeah. And I think better things come to those who get off their asses and go find yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Like and that's what you did. <laughs> really, that's what you did. Like you, you didn't just wait. Are you kidding me? No way. Like you... Put yourself out there. Um, all of these opportunities that you have had have come because you acted. You did something. You stood up. You made that first connection with the person you knew in Israel who ended up getting you the job. Like all these things. You looked up the Fulbright, you know, like you put yourself out there and you called your school and said, hey, do you guys have an opening? <laughs> you're not waiting around, Maddie, you know, like you're making For things happen. Right. And I love that. I love to see that all of this path that you've had is coming around to like, this, this is what you've accomplished and this is why, and this is where you're going and yeah. you're destined for adventure. Like it's going to work. Uh, and oh my I'm gosh. proud of you. I have tears in my eyes. Oh. You're the sweetest. Yeah. You're so right. I like need people to tell me that, you know, yeah. I feel like I, it, when, when we think of, you know, go inward, it's, it's sometimes hard to to see that ourselves. And so it's really special to be reminded of that. Mm. Yeah. you've, I mean, it's still going to be hard. Of course. You know, it's still going to be hard, but now you're saying yes to this hard work and that's, the rewards are great. So that's true. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad that I could come on again and that Mm -hmm. people could, you know, hear my full story. Mm -hmm. Not that my story is over. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. The story, I guess that people have been following, Mm -hmm. I suppose, but Mm -hmm. no, it's super cool. I'm, I'm really happy that you, uh, that we're both in a place to make this call happen, even if it took a few tries. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. 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 Oh, nice. Yeah. And we just got cut off again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Well, I was just basically wishing you the best. And um, yeah, maybe we should uh, end this before Skype like blows up our computers because I don't know what's happening. But no. (laughs) Okay. Um, Maddie, one last thing. Where can people find you if they would like to find you? Are you on? I mean, do you want to share your Instagram or something? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram big Instagram lover and user um, <laughs> at M Silk Wolf. So M as in Maddie, silk like the fabric, wolf like my last name, W-O-L-F-E. Okay, cool. Yes. I belong to the Budget Minded Traveler Facebook group. So mm. you can also find me on there too if you wanted to reach out with a message or anything. If right. people wanted to say hi. Cool. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. This has been awesome. I appreciate your time and I'm so proud of you and I can't wait to see where you go next. (laughs) 
Thanks. I'm really, I feel really lucky and everything that we were able to connect all those years ago. Yes, me too. I love it. I, I, it's one of my favorite things. I mean, yeah. to connect with Thanks. all you guys out there. It's so cool. Yeah. So, okay. Well, yeah, next time. Okay. Uh, we didn't even mention this, but there was that one time that we actually got to meet in person oh, when I was yes. passing through Minneapolis. We're going to have to make that happen again because oh, that was really for fun. Sure. That's not so, an if, that's a when. That's a when. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. Until then, Maddie, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Jackie. It was so wonderful to talk. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay, guys, I have good news. We don't have to wait to see what a Nasi Lamak burger looks like because I found a photo of it and shared it on the show notes page. And I have to say, it actually looks really good. (laughs) Um, I put a few other notes from today's episode there as well, including the link to that loneliness piece that I told you I wrote a while back. Uh, you can find all of that on the show notes page at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 97. Woo. Oh, and some more good news. Actually, this is a huge milestone in the life of the BMT podcast. I want to give a shout out to you right now because somewhere around episode 95, we hit over 1 million lifetime downloads for this podcast. 1 million for not even having 100 episodes yet. That's huge for this one woman show. So thank you so much for listening, uh, for your continued support. You know, if you ever want to say hi to me, you can find me on Instagram at Traveling Jackie. Leave me a comment, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Um, we are counting down to episode 100. We have a couple more BMT favorites from over the years joining us. I'm wondering if you can guess who they are, but I guess you'll be finding out soon enough. So until next time, safe and happy travels. Thank you for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.